Good evening. Have you ever seen an invention or its product or anything, looked at it, it looked pretty cool, impressive, neat, whatever. You thought to yourself, hey, that's sweet, but what does it do? Example, this beautiful piece of machinery, technology, snap-on product made in America. Looks pretty sweet, you know, it's got a little trigger on there. But what does it do? This nifty piece of handiwork tells temperature. That light up there, well, it's about 100-something degrees. That wall, 71.3452. This, this, even though it may look like a gun, if you shoot this at anything in defense of yourself, you will get nowhere. That will not help you because it is not made to be a gun. It is made to tell temperature. Now think about the awesome creation of a Christian, which is the workmanship of God. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Jesus creates us for what? For good works. Now, the beauty of this is, Jesus has asked us to do what he didn't do himself. If you will, turn your Bibles to Acts, the 10th chapter, and we'll read verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Now, Jesus came to this earth with power. But what would he use his power to do? Most of the time, you think people with power, like athletes, celebrities, uh, bodybuilders like Colton or somebody like that, they often use their power to gain possessions, money, riches, whatever it may be, to better themselves or to better their friends or their family or something. But Jesus used his power for good works. Jesus went about this earth doing good. Notice the wording there. He didn't just go about this earth doing good when it was convenient. He didn't do good when he had an extra hour or two in the day when he wasn't doing something else. He went about this earth doing good. That's the way Peter describes his life. And also, he went about this earth being seen as one who who did good. Think of how many good things the apostles saw him do. Like, just just name a couple. He fed the 5,000 because he knew they were hungry. He raised Lazarus from the dead after he wept with his grieving family. He calmed the sea simply because the disciples were scared. And he cast out demons to bring a life of peace to others. When John closes his book in John 21, 25, he tells us there are so many things that Jesus did. If they were all written down in books, this earth wouldn't be able to hold all the books. How many volumes would have to be written about all your good works? It's also true that Jesus created us to go about doing good works. When we think of good works, we often can think of one woman in the Bible, and her name is Dorcas. If you will turn in your Bibles a couple pages back to Acts chapter 9, Acts 9, starting in verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was, was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him to not to delay and come to them. 
Then Peter arose and went, and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was still with them. This was a woman who did good works like Jesus. In verse 36, it tells us she was a disciple. This means she not only followed the teachings, but the teacher as well. She obeyed Jesus, and she lived as he lived. She went about doing good. And this, if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, we have to go about doing good. Notice this. She didn't just do a few, but she did many good works, just like Jesus. Luke, the writer of Acts, says she was full of good works. When something is full, you can't add any more to it. It's running over, overflowing. There's a ton of it. Isn't it wonderful, sisters in Christ, who are full of good works? Luke also says that she was full of charitable deeds. That means she, has compa- she does compassion acts for the poor, and she serves people who had little and needed someone or something to relieve their pain. When she passed away, the ones whose life had been improved by her acts and her good works and her charitable deeds brought them with them to her funeral. Now picture this. Here's a woman lying on her deathbed, and surrounding her is everybody that she had touched with that she had touched by good works, with all the tunics, the garments of clothes that she made for them, with them. Notice this. Others saw her good works, just like others saw Jesus' good works. In verse 39, it, it talks about how they showed the good works she had made. Notice how the good works Jesus did and the good works of his followers, they blessed the lives of other people. The witnesses are not the result of Jesus or his disciples showing off their good works. They're not the result of Jesus or his disciples boasting about their good works. They are the result of the people that are blessed by the good works. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they will have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not, let, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deeds may be done in secret, and your, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Jesus clearly teaches us not to do our deeds and our good works for the purpose of making us look good, making us look cool in front of other people. The summary of these verses does teach us, however, there is one who can see every good deed, and he remembers every one of them, and he will reward the doer of the good openly if, they, if he does them in secret, verse 4. There are many passages in the Bible that speak of, of us accounting for every good and bad deed we do on the day of judgment. So our good deeds are never unnoticed by the Creator. Even in judgment, they will all be accounted for. After all, that's why he made us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, if we have Jesus going around doing good works, and we have Jesus creating us to do good works, it only makes sense for him to give us instructions on how we can do those good works. Turn your Bibles to Galatians, the sixth chapter. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul teaches us right here to bear one another's burdens. The word burden 
points to the fact that what we do is not going to be light and it's certainly not going to be comfortable. But are we willing to do good for one another, even if it's not light, even if it's not comfortable, even if it's a burden? And one burden to bear is to help restore a fallen brother. And this certainly is not going to be light, it's not going to be easy or comfortable. But if you think about it, what, what better good work to do than to help, save one's, to help save someone's soul? He also talks about benevolent work. James 1.27 and Matthew 25.35-37 tells us of many opportunities to do good, such as visiting orphans, widows, sick, prisoners, helping strangers, those hungry, thirsty, and needing clothes. Here Jesus reminds us of the important that it is to him that we do good works for others. He teaches us that if we do good works for others, it's like we did it just to him. Also, we have required work. 1 Timothy 6, chapter, God talks about to the believers who are financially rich and commands them to also be rich in good works. God wants us to use our life and our possessions to do good works for others. Whatever measure of health, life, money, or possessions we have, why don't we use them for good works? After all, that's why God gave them to us. Turn your Bibles to Titus, the second chapter. Titus 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the, blessing, for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. When Paul writes about grace in Titus 2, he describes those who are in God's grace as a special people and the workmanship of God. And he talks about how we're zealous for good works. When God's people just don't go around just doing good, we go around zealously doing good. When you think of zealous, you think of like an avid like sports fan. It's like you're characterized by that action when you're zealous to do something. There's a huge difference in the person who tries to do like one good deed a day, one good thing and you'll be all right, and a person who goes around zealously doing good. Notice, when we do that, it becomes our lifestyle. It becomes our life, not just one action a day. If you turn your Bibles to Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew five sixteen, it's a familiar passage to all of us. Let your light so shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Notice, the good work we do as Christians, it's not about us. It's not for our glory, for our moment in the spotlight, for our boasting, for our bragging rights, whatever you want to call it. We should all do our good works in a way that our Father in Heaven receives the glory. When we seek this in, we seek to fulfill this goal for us to glorify the Father, our work has reached its highest potential. Also, enduring work. In Galatians, the sixth chapter talks about how the workmanship of God isn't designed for short sprints, but He he designed us for marathons. He wants us to die, having done good works till the end. We must not grow weary in doing good works. He rewards those who don't. Now, as we try to wrap this up a little bit, just bear with me. We'll think about just a couple other points. Jesus went about doing good. His disciples have always gone about doing good. His covenant, the New Testament, is full of instruction of his workmen of what we were supposed to do with our life. Galatians 6.10, part of it says, Do good unto all. Also think about we are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace through faith. The grace that saves us is from God, but we access this grace by our faith. 
kind of think about it, it's like a computer. You see a computer sitting in front of you, but unless you have the password to, accept, to like, access the computer, it does you no good. Like We have God's grace in front of us. Unless we have faith, God's grace isn't going to do us any good. Now, this piece of handiwork was created to immediately detect the temperature of objects. That's what it's made to do. Think for a second. Are you doing what you were made to do? You were made to be one with God, to be saved. We are saved by grace, and we are created by Jesus to do good works. Tonight, we ask two questions. Are you saved, and are you doing what you were created to do? If you are a believer, willing to repent, confess Jesus as the Son of God, won't you be baptized tonight into Christ for remission of your sins? And perhaps you've already been saved, but you failed to allow Jesus to, to work his way in your life. Maybe you've abandoned your, your Lord and his purpose for you. Remember what he's done for you, and he's willing to offer you rich mercy, great love, and saving grace. Won't you allow those tools to create a new you? Tonight, if we can help you in any way, Come as we stand and as we sing.